0: Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Becky Brown. I'm one of the associate pastors here at First United Methodist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina. You're about to listen to the sermon from worship this week. You can also watch this service online through our YouTube channel. You can just search FUMC Waynesville on YouTube or join us in person at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. every Sunday. Thanks for listening, and we hope this sermon challenges, inspires, and invigorates your faith. May God bless you. And the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So happy to be with you um, this morning. My name is DeAndre. I'm my pastor, Snow Hill United Methodist Church and Iola United Methodist Church. I called it Iola for the first six months I was there until somebody had, had the courage to tell me that I was saying it, <laughs> that I was saying it all wrong. <laughs> I grew up in the city of Atlanta. I was ordained in 2006 in the Church of God in Christ, which is a and kind of uh, of course a protestant pentecostal um, branch of, of of the body of Christ um, I went to a cooperative baptist um, cooperative baptist fellowship um, undergrad um, school um, which is on you know, the left side of the of the thing um, <laughs> I I pastored a southern baptist church which is kind of the, the right side of the thing I <laughs> Pastor a non-denominational church. I went to a Presbyterian seminary, <laughs> um, and so here I am, pastoring a Methodist church. It just all makes sense. And so, uh, <laughs> I uh, I grew up in uh, in Atlanta, as I said. And I, I in high school I was an M to M student, and what that means is majority to minority. Raise your hand if you're familiar with that, with that program. It means majority to minority. And that means that if you, go, if you live in a district and the school that you're assigned to, you are um, the majority um, ethnic group or part of the majority ethnic or racial group, you have an opportunity to be bused to an area um, still in your county where you would be the ethnic or cultural or uh, racial minority. And so my parents chose that option for me to send me out of Atlanta um at least inner city Atlanta to kind of the 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 suburbs of uh of Atlanta to a school called called Cross Keys Cross Keys High School and I I think it's a suburb at least and um and uh, at the time it was the most diverse high school um in, in of course in the county but some would would say even the even the state of Georgia I have a twin brother um and um He's preaching for me over at Snow Hill in Iola this morning. (laughs) Maybe, or maybe I am he. (laughs) But he's preaching over at Snow Hill in uh, in Iola this morning, and he went to our neighborhood high school, and it was, it was um, kind of culturally, ethnically homogenous. And so it was a black high school, and so the marching band jammed. <laughs> on, uh, and so that's really why he went there. He played snare drum there. And uh, I went to his graduation, and um, um, his graduation was different from mine. <laughs> and at my graduation, they would say, please hold all applause until all of the graduates are recognized, and together we'll salute. And so, of course, at my graduation, it was perfect decorum. <laughs> Um, when I went to, to his graduation, um, his name was called and he had all kind of stoles and, and honors and stuff. And, and I wanted to yell out so bad, dunar, go dunar, you know, something um, to acknowledge him. But I just steeled myself and just let him walk quietly across the stage. I beat myself up for that. For that sometimes. But about five names later, there was this girl named Keisha. I don't know her last name. Because just as soon as the master of ceremony said Keisha, some woman in the audience yelled out, that's my baby, that's my baby. And Keisha walked across the stage and um, um, we looked at her with a little bit of embarrassment, but also with a little bit of jealousy that she had the courage to shout out um, in acknowledgement that moment that she was connected to that young lady that was walking across the stage and um She didn't have any stoles. You know, there were no asterisks beside her name. She may have barely made it. Who knows what her professors or her peers thought about her, but there was a proud somebody in the audience who thought enough of her to shout for her. And we all likely know somebody who has struggled to overcome something, and they made it. You know the value of what it meant for them to be there. Or maybe you know someone who's endured public shame and maybe public embarrassment or smearing of their reputation. But you know them personally and you know their value and you know their goodness and their qualities. And you know that sometimes the public can just get it wrong. When the author of 2 Timothy writes here, it's kind of that sentiment that he writes with. In chapter 2, verse 8, he writes, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, that... Is my gospel for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not changed. And there was likely, there were likely competing philosophies that this author was kind of debating against um, subliminally, leaving little messages for the reader to, to, to give them fuel to fight against whatever, um, her, whatever they thought were heretical teachings at the time. And the gospel was winning in some ways and, it's, it was critiqued and criticized to no end, in other ways, and to some folks at this time, it was important for the author to address. Jesus was either an enlightened man who had um, had, had some kind of divine revelation. He had learned enough to have transcended his his mortal body, and he'd reached some kind of enlightenment. So either Jesus was a man, or he was. Just a divine hologram. <laughs> not really born, not really crucified, not, not, not really resurrected, but just like a, a, a divine hologram. So the author writes with intention, be mindful, thinking about, carrying with you, ruminating over, meditating on, never letting this thought leave your consciousness. Be mindful of the resurrection. Not a resurrection of a hologram, not this enlightened man raising as a ghost, but he's implying a bodily resurrection. The implications of a bodily resurrection, they're really really critical for our faith. It's important because a bodily resurrection, this this flesh and these bones and this blood, it's important because it meant that God came, And God shared in the suffering of this world. It meant that divinity had a common cold at some point. It meant that divinity suffered a heartbreak. Divinity was on death row. Christ was on a cross. God was on the gallows. The triumphant one was on a tree. And that glorious body, that shamed body, was raised from the dead. Some may think, Jesus, divine, human, he must have been a beautiful man to behold. (laughs) How gorgeous should he have been to look at? How easily must it have been for the disciples to see and recognize him and say, I got to follow this person. He glows. And then there are those who take the verse that says he was um, comely and nothing to behold. And they say, well, Jesus couldn't have been good looking. He could have been just, he had to be just just an average Joe just to fit in with everybody else. And whatever your perspective, that body, whether it looked like Fabio or Uncle Joe, (laughs) that body was a corpse, that real fleshly physical body had become a corpse, and it was resurrected. That real body came to life. And that's why in many black cultural church experiences, even the most educated pastors, those that went to ITC or Asbury or Candler or Duke, in a lot of African American churches, regardless of the tradition, even in ordinary times, when we have the green stole hanging from the pulpit, even in the middle of the summer or late fall, they'll end their sermon with this. Early, one Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm gonna preach myself happy this morning. <laughs> and no matter what's going on, everybody identifies and knows that they're signifying something, they're signaling something, something that is or should be deep in the faith of every believer. There can be no Christian story that does not end in resurrection. And a people who have had shamed bodies or shamed experience or or who have been less than or, or who have experienced embarrassment or, or public shame, which is, which we're all susceptible to, would hear a message of hope. They'd understand that the resurrection is power packed with hope. The resurrection heals. The resurrection is more powerful than nuclear. It's more combustible than hydrogen. The resurrection quickens the mortal body. Not it will quicken. It does quicken the mortal body. And so when the gospel is preached, our souls are nourished and our bodies are nourished and our, and our bodies are healed. At the hearing of the gospel, the resurrection is power. The resurrection, it shakes open prison doors. The resurrection frees those who are bound. It sets free those who are captive physically, emotionally. It sets free those who are bound even spiritually. The resurrection is the dunamis. It is the dynamite power of God on full display. And with all the other competing philosophies, the author was saying, like that woman was saying in that graduation, we have all of these ideas and thoughts parading across the public sphere. So many things that are up for debate. So many enticing ideas about the foundations of Christianity, the author was saying, that's my gospel. That is my gospel. I submit to you that there have been little explosions of grace throughout your entire life. And no matter who you are and where you are, the gospel is efficacious in you and for you and through you. The gospel, the good news, of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is working in your life even now. And you have a gospel to be proud of. You have a gospel worth shouting about. Somebody told me that Jesus was apolitical. And to that I say, he died between a thief on the left and there was a thief on the right. But he was resurrected for for both of them. And the word of God is not chained. It is not bound. It is not restricted to what you and I know or believe or, or what we are comfortable believing. It is not chained. It is not stuck. It is not fixed. It is alive in other communities, in other cities. It is alive in other de- denominations and other cultures. It is not limited by our framework or styles of worship. I was so refreshed to hear the music when I, when I came in because I'm kind of the Six Flags Over Jesus Church type, type, type person. And so it made me smile. I almost threw my hands up, but I was, you know, <laughs> concerned about decorum. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> it's not limited to our frameworks. It is the ground zero for mediation. It's ground zero for reconciliation. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the crucifixion and the resurrection that allows us to let go of any of these ideologies or ways of thinking or being that we think is our life force or that we think saves us. The resurrection gives us opportunity to rethink, to reimagine to enter into a new life and a new way of being, and to be fearless in the face of opposition and adversity. That's our gospel. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the strength that it gives and that it provides We thank you so much for the dunamis power that operates in us, that lives in us. It is dynamite, and we are dynamite people, and your charisma lives and works through us. And I thank you that resurrection power energizes us. It energizes us to worship and to give and to live and to forgive and to love and to share your gospel in a multitude of ways. And we welcome that resurrection power to be alive and active in us. I thank you for every soul that is hurt the preaching of the gospel under my voice today. And I thank you so much that it is effective and that it works. And I ask God that you do the miraculous in the lives of every person that's here, every person that will hear your gospel preached today. This is our prayer and this is our hope. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.